Welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rage. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood, and we are continuing our journey all across the world and all across different haunted hotels. Our next stop is a snowy one. In the Canadian mountains, we are exploring the deadly Deer Lounge. It was called the Deer Lounge, you know what I mean? It wasn't called Ghost Keeper, it was called Deer Lounge. Lodge. 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 Yes. We are trapped in about 10 feet of snow. We are with our boy Marty and his two ladies. Or he wants them to be his two ladies. And we're with a crazy lady who uh, supposedly doesn't have any relationship to the place. She just lives there. So we are we are staying over here. We are staying in this deep snow Canadian mountains hidden hotel. Cause we are doing today on the show Ghost Keeper. J. A. Allison, James Klein, what's happening? How is your stay so far at this hotel? So far it's been cold. Very, very cold. Yes. This is what happens when we go off the beaten path to a hidden snowy um hotel now the hotel is pretty nice though you know has some pretty cool looking uh, decorations you know there's a lot of scenery around a lot of snow a lot of mountains mm-hmm. so you know you know at least we got that going for ourselves it's very you know we're having some we're having some audio issues every once in a while <laughs> but uh other than that we're doing pretty good <laughs> so everybody we are continuing our month long review of different haunted hotels and we have drove the Trans Am up to Canada. Uh, well, it got stuck up there, and then we had to use our snow bikes to get to the place. But we have made it, and we have made it to the Ghost Keeper. And we're going to be talking all about Ghost Keeper and then the, the surrounding events that happened around its release date as well. Which the release date was March 3rd, 1982. So, it's uh, still a little cold out there. But uh, I say let's get into it. Let's do a little bit of the music first. So, Allison, you said you found some stuff in music. What are we listening to in our stay at the Ghost Keeper? Well, anybody that's been anybody <laughs> anybody that's been listening to this show for more than like probably two episodes realizes that one of my top five bands, if not top two band favorite bands of all time, is Iron Maiden. Oh, we are bringing so the Maiden back, be, brother. <laughs> 
so in, in nearly every episode i tell a story about iron maiden but yeah. um so this in this episode um so this month now iron maiden uh it's in march of 1982 uh, march 22nd 1982 iron maiden released their famous album the number of the beast so the number of the beast was the first album that had um bruce Dickinson singing on it um and um so it was about to come out so we wouldn't have quite heard it yet unless we got a, a early promo copy of it but on march the 3rd 1982 um iron maiden had already been on tour since the end of february so they were playing those shows live so that night they were all they were playing at the liverpool empire in liverpool england oh so we could take the trans am to liverpool england to see iron maiden on the beast on the road tour which was the early part of the number of the beast tour um but we're probably gonna have to put on some kind of water wings on the trans am to get there i guess well also too we got to figure out how to get out of this blizzard too i know i, I mean, know we gotta get up i mean <laughs> i i ain't turning out like our bird marty is all right that's for sure mm. all right no well that's pretty fun what tour was that what tour was it called it was called uh beast on the road okay. which was like what was which is what the number of the beast tour was called but they, like I said, they'd been playing. They went on tour a month before the album actually came out, so they were playing all these new songs with a brand new singer. Um, that you know, and and they were like those. The going from um, the previous album to uh, Number of the Beast was like a. It was it was a huge jump. Like if you listen to one and then listen to the other, like they went. There's a huge jump in quality of like songwriting, of playing, of singing. It was just it was just a it was just light years better. Um, and this is where they <clears throat> first became like a big band, if you will. Um, th I think they did their first real big headlining tour on, on Beast on the Road. There's actually a live recording that was recorded on Beast on the Road that was recorded on March 20th at the um, Hammersmith Odeon um, that you can, well, you can buy it now, but you can also listen to it. I think it's on video on YouTube, um, but it's from the same month, same time period. So this is the same show that you'd be seeing then. That's pretty cool. I always like it when they have uh, like live recordings, either it be like DVDs or on CDs. I love hearing like live bands, you know, because you know how good a band is if their live album or seeing them live. If they sound good live or even on the CD too, you know, it's a great band. Oh yeah. Well, I showed you that yesterday with the uh, when I played you that other live Iron Maiden live album. Yep. yep. Yeah. So you you could tell how how great of a live band they were. Yep. In my opinion and was they definitely know how to play their instruments. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. That is for sure. That is for sure. Do you have a set list or not really? No, I do. Okay. What kind of songs were they playing? Um, so they opened with a couple of old songs. Um, so they opened with Murders in the Rue Morgue, and then they went into Wrathchild, which is from Killers, which is from their second album, which I believe was their previous one. Um, and then, um, then they played Run to the Hills, which was from Number of the Beast, because that had been released as a single at this point. So that was the only song in the set that that was new that anybody had had heard. Then they played a bunch of songs or three songs in a row from Number of the Beast. They played Run to the Hills, uh, Children of the Damned, and Number of the Beast. Um, then Another Life, Killers, Twenty Two Acacia Avenue, Total Eclipse, Transylvania, The Prisoner, Hallowed Be Thy Name. And then they did a, an encore from there that was, and that tour was different. It could be Iron Maiden, or the song Iron Maiden, it could be Running Free, it could be Phantom of the Opera, mm -hmm. several different songs. And which singer was this one with? 
this is Bruce Dingenson, who's the, okay. the guy that's in the band now. Gotcha, gotcha. So, he so this was, is like okay. Yeah, I was gonna say this is this is like um, popular era Iron Maiden. So gotcha. this is like after they got famous. Bruce Dingenson, I would imagine, is the singer that most people associate with Iron Maiden. Yeah, I definitely. Well, that's pretty sweet. I mean, that would have been a badass tour to go to. I would say. Um, yeah. You know. Just rocking it. Now I got a story too in rock music. It's a little bit of a sad story though. And it has to do with Ozzy Osbourne. And, uh, you know, this is when he did his solo career. It was just the Ozzy Osbourne, I guess, band that they were called. Sure. So they were doing the Diary of a Madman tour at this particular area. It started in, it started in um, well, I think they did. They started in England around November, but this is like towards like March of 1982. Oh God! I just realized what you're gonna what you're gonna talk about. Yep, yep. Pretty crazy. I didn't realize what month it was, but yeah. yeah. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So ahead. this actually yeah, happened on March 19th. Shocked there. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I I found this. So this actually happened on uh, March 19th, 1982. This is about two weeks before this after this movie came out. So they were uh, they were in Florida. All right. And it was a week away from playing Madison Square Garden in New York City. And we had a um, an uh, aircraft incident. So basically what happened was the Andrew Acock, the band's tour bus driver, he was uh, carrying Rhodes and Rachel Youngblood. And Rhodes, he was the guitar player, I believe. Yeah, Randy Rhodes was the guitar player for yes. Ozzy, one of the greatest metal guitar players of all time. Yes. And his wife was the band's costume and makeup designer. So they basically crashed while they were performing a low pass over the band's tour bus. So the yeah. what happened was the um, the driver of the airplane did engage, um, you know, the where his landing was going to be, and he ran into a couple of trees and actually ran right into a mansion, killing Rhodes and Acock and everybody just instantly. Um. So, yeah, that's a pretty crazy story. And this is, like, right in the middle of the tour. And then, you know, after this, of course, all of the band members and Ozzy, you know, they all, you know, obviously were saddened by losing their, their friends and band members. And they had to pretty much cancel the tour after pretty much only being on the tour for, like, two weeks. So, or, like, you know, tour, canceled the tour. And then they were trying to find a replacement afterwards as well, too. So, pretty crazy. And then they eventually got a replacement in the band but uh yeah pretty crazy story of like just like you know just poor judgment trying to you know clearing some obstacles and stuff and you know it's not the first time we hear some like plane crashes when it comes to like um metal and pro wrestling too uh of mm -hmm. course the the famous uh plane crash with rick flair um killing um valentine in there as well too so Definitely a sad story. Um, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, obviously one of the most famous singers of all time. This is actually when he left uh, a little bit a little bit while after he left Black Sabbath. And did yeah, his a couple own, years. Yeah, doing his solo career. But, uh, you know, there was a pretty good tour. Like, they, they were going pretty much all around the North America. You know, right about to play Madison Square Garden, which was a huge, would have been a huge venue for them at that particular time. So, you have any... Uh, where, I know you know a little bit more about Ozzy Osbourne's solo career than I do. Do you have any words about some of the songs they were doing around that time, or you know how good the uh, the Rhodes guitar player was? 
Oh yeah, I mean, Randy is Randy was a hell of a guitar player. I mean, he was like one of the. I don't, I'm. It would be hard to find anybody that likes metal music that didn't that doesn't think Randy Rhodes is one of the greatest of all time. Um, they actually played their final show in Knoxville like the day before this happened. So they played in Knoxville and then they were gonna they were going to Florida. But the the thing about the the accident was they weren't even flying to Florida. Randy hated flying. Like that's the lore that people talk about is Randy. Randy hated to fly. And he was afraid of flying, and most of the time he didn't. He would refuse to fly, and he would rather travel on the bus if he could. Um, but he was flying supposedly because he wanted to get some aerial photographs to give to his mother. Mm. And so he, so he agreed to go up with this guy, Acog, the pilot. And um, the guy was just like goofing around, and like you know, he was trying to buzz the like fly as close to the bus as he could and then pull back up. Mm-hmm. And he did it a couple of times successfully. And then like the last time he just fucked it up and hit the top of the bus and that, uh, like it clipped the top of the bus, like the wing did. And that's what caused him to go out of control and hit the trees and then run into the house and everything. And then uh, Randy was, ba- his body was basically unrecognizable. Like they had to reckon, they had to like identify him from jewelry and uh, dental records, which is all they could like really, really get out of him. Yeah, pretty crazy. But yeah, Randy was a Randy was a great guitar player though. Those two, those first two um, Ozzy album, Diary of a Madman and Blizzard of Oz, are both great, and they definitely brought Ozzy's career back because everybody thought Ozzy was done. He was just a washed up drug addict, alcoholic from mm-hmm. that was kicked out of Black Sabbath, and um, they Randy Randy brought Ozzy's career back. There's no doubt about that, and it's it's a tragedy that he was killed that early. I mean, he could have done so much in music if if that hadn't happened. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's pretty wild. You know, obviously, you know, like you were saying, Ozzy, you know, with his drug addiction and party addiction, you know, a lot of times, even on tour, like, he would just get drunk and wander off, and, the, you know, they couldn't find him, you know, on stage, or they couldn't find him to go on stage and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy how they were back in the day. But, you know, the tour, the, uh, the set list was actually a pretty good set list um, that we had for this particular tour. Uh, we had yeah, Over the Mountain, uh, Flying High Again, Believer, you know, probably his biggest hit, Crazy Train, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Cowley, and I Don't Know, Rel- uh, Suicide Solutions, and then we also had a Randy Rhodes guitar solo, and The Man on the Flying Trapeze. So, you know, definitely if you're a fan, I, like, I haven't heard too many of um, Ozzy's solo career besides Crazy Train. I was more of like a Black Sabbath fan. Um, they did play. They did play the uh, Black Sabbath cover of um, of Paranoid um, that he did mm-hmm. on, on that I did on this tour. But like I said, like you know, the only time I've ever seen Ozzy or anything is when he did a, a reunion with Black um, Black Sabbath. I think it was at the 2004 Ozfest. Yeah, that was the one we both went to. I mean, yeah. not together, but that we both went to with was the Black Sabbath reunion. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, I said, I was like Black Sabbath. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't really too keen on a lot of Ozzy's like solo. I didn't ever really listen to his solo career at all, but I de- do de- definitely liked him in the Black Sabbath and I did like the Black Sabbath band. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. But pretty crazy story. But, you know, moving on, um, what was happening in wrestling around this time? Allison, do you want to go first with your show? Yeah, because my show is short. Um, and it, and um, it is, it happened actually March the first, so it was two days before before uh, before this movie opened and before the Iron Maiden show. So technically, we could have done all three. Yeah, 
technically. technically. Um, <laughs> but basically, it, it's, it's just a, it, <laughs> was a, it was a show at the Mid-South Coliseum. Um, they drew 5,000 people, which was a big deal at the time, to uh, in Memphis. Um, um, actually, excuse me, they drew 7,000 people. Oh, okay. Um, but um, the main event of that was um, uh, Jerry Lawler uh, beat Dutch Mantel uh, in a no DQ match to win the Southern title, which was kind of a big deal, um, I guess for the, for the time. I mean, that would have been a good match. I mean, both those guys are fucking great yeah. um, in the ring. Um, there is something interesting though. Um, the, <laughs> there is another match in this. I didn't have time to research this and I'm sure there's some wrestling guy that's going to, that knows more than I do. There's always somebody with a big nose who knows, but, um, so one of the matches on this, I was going to see what you thought. Mm-hmm. So it's listed as Ricky and Robert Gibson, and they beat the Cuban assassin and the Iranian assassin. So both foreign guys, both assassins, both obviously heels because yep. they're from uh, another country. Yep. But do you think Ricky and Robert Gibson, uh, is that the rock and roll express? Ricky and Robert. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky well, and right. Robert. But I mean, but they're right, but they're not listed. They're listed in this as Ricky and Robert Gibson, which they're not listed as the Rock and Roll Express. And I don't know. I just think it's weird. It's listed weird. I mean, do you think that's the Rock and Roll Express? I mean, surely it is, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe they just weren't allowed to be called the Rock and Roll Express at that time. But yeah, the Ricky and Robert Gibson is the Rock and Roll Express. Well, yeah, but it's Ricky Morton though. It's Ricky Morton or Robert Gibson. Yep. This makes it sound like it's two Gibson guys named Ricky and Robert. <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. You know, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it just seems like it's either written in my little listing here wrong, or they had to go on, or they went under some other name. But I'm pretty sure they were the Rock and Roll Express by this point. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm sure the, the yeah, that's kind of stumped me that. because let's see. Uh, all right. I mean, who else could that be if it's not them? Like, because they were, yeah. in, they are also in Memphis at this time too. Because I'm pretty sure they were in Mid South Wrestling. Right before they went to Crockett. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way it's listed. Because unless, like you said, there's some out there that just knows a different. I don't. I never heard of a um, a Ricky Gibson. I've only heard of Ricky, no, me Ricky Morton. So maybe it's just the way right. it's listed. And or like you know maybe they weren't called the Rock. I mean they had to be called the Rock and Roll Express by now. They they were. I'm. I'm I know that they were. Yeah. Um. And it could just be that maybe. You know, I mean, the the archive that I use for this is very expansive, so it has everything in it from like throughout history. So maybe they, uh, maybe you know, I don't know who knows. Maybe they, uh, maybe when they were writing this, they just uh, they just put their name. Maybe they meant to write Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, and they just wrote Ricky and Robert Gibson. You know, it's possible. Or maybe both uh, Ricky and Robert. They were like, listen, we can't be called Rock and Roll Express all the time. I need to sell these gimmicks. All right. I need you to put my name on the marquee. We gotta have, <laughs> yeah, we got to sell different gimmicks. <laughs> yeah, we got to do some solo gimmicks here. Come on, guys. Did you hear Kinda that? Like, um, uh, uh, did you hear that um, Ricky Morton's be facing uh, Matt Cardona at the GCW event coming up? Oh yeah, Cardona's gonna get his ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy how uh, Ricky <laughs> and Robert—they still wrestle, man. They're actually still pretty good. Like we've seen him a couple times on AEW a couple years back. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been on um, NWA, and of course they do a bunch of house shows everywhere. And they still, you know, they still they still do their thing. They're still out there, you know. They're not like super high flyers like they used to be and stuff or energetic, but well, they still have good matches. 
Right. And they are in their 60s. I mean, they're still wrestling in their 60s, at least in their 60s. Yeah. I mean, they may be getting, they may be pushing 70 at this point, but they're, they're definitely in their 60s. Yeah. Still doing it. Like I saw them in 2019 at the Crockett Cup that Ring of Honor and NWA did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was on second row for that as I always am because I, you know, I'm a ringside guy. I've got to get ringside. And, um, they were, I mean, they were good. Like you could tell, like Robert was still doing his, um, his, they would still do the double drop kicks, you know, so he would jump up and do the drop kick. But when he came back down, it would take him a minute to get back up. You could tell, like he'd put his hand on the rope. He's like, okay, I got to rest here for a second. Then he'd get back up again. But hell, if I can do a drop kick in my sixties, I'll be perfectly happy with myself. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, that sounds like a fun little show. Um, the show I have is actually going to be from the promotion, my old uh, time promotion, WCCW. All right. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be their wrestling Star Wars show. So the wrestling Star Wars show for WCW, for WCCW, basically was like their big show, like their big couple shows. Um. It was like, I wouldn't say it was like WrestleMania level, but it probably would have been like a good like SummerSlam, you know, like that kind of level show that we would see nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, this particular event happened on March um, 15th, 1982. And this one was the first Star Wars show in 1982, but was the fourth um, Star Wars event uh, overall. Now, how were they able to use the Star Wars name? Uh, because trademarks weren't as crazy as they are nowadays. <laughs> That's probably why. Well, yeah, it's just like when they all that yeah. entrance music, um, like <laughs> you yeah. know, all the licensed entrance music that they never paid anybody for. Yep. Um, uh, you know, like they they just it was just yeah, trademarks aren't as crazy as they are now, and you didn't find out about stuff as easy as you used to to be able to sue somebody. Yep. And this took place in Fort Worth, Texas. So usually a lot of the WCCW would take place at the Sportatorium in Dallas. That's usually what they would do a lot of like their TV tapings. Um, maybe a couple of like house shows would be there too. But when they wanted to do their big event, they would go down to Fort Worth at the convention center because a little bit bigger style arena. Uh, I'm not going to go through every match, you know, because some of these I don't even know who these guys are. But I will talk about some of the main four matches. So we have... Bugs me, bugs, bug me, bugs me, McGraw. He defeated yeah. the spoiler. Allison, who, who do you know who the spoiler is? Um, I feel like I should know. Let me he's a masked a wrestler. Um, well, I know he's a masked wrestler, but I was trying to figure I remember who was under the mask, but I can't remember off the top of my head. So he has a couple of different names. All right. Because, you know, in wrestling, we can't just have one name. You have to have multiple no. gimmicks throughout your time. So his ring names, first he was called The Butcher. All right. Then mm -hmm. he was called Don Jordan. Jordine, sorry. Don Jordine. Okay. Uh, Sony Cooper. The Spoiler. And, of course, the one you're probably recognized, Super Destroyer. Oh, he was Super Destroyer. Okay. Yes. So, All under a mask, except under under Don Jardine, I guess, right? Yes, and that was his real name. Donald Jardine was his real name. He okay. was a Canadian professional wrestler, so maybe he would join us at Ghost Keeper because he's a. He might. Yeah, he may. He, you know, he'd probably be out there rushing to see this movie. If this movie was even theaters, I don't even know what it was. In. 
It did play in theaters, yeah. Well, we have a lot of history on this movie, actually, but yeah, we'll get to that. Sweet. So uh, next we have Bill Irwin, not related to Chris Jericho's dad, Frank Irwin. Uh, he defeated Frank Dusick in a singles match. You have any? Uh, you have any great uh, Frank Dusick matches? I knew you were going to say that. I have no idea who Frank Dusick is. You're talking about you don't know the captain. Frank Dusick, uh, no, sixty man, not, sixty familiar. minute man, uh, uh, freaking. Um, so Frank, he actually won. Check, check this a little bit uh, history about him. Frank won the NWA Southern Heavyweight Championship. He defeated Barry Windham. So that's his uh, that's his major career accomplishment. Okay, so I guess he did beat somebody, right? Yeah, yeah. So we know who he's beat. Uh, and then we have the. Leader of the promotion, Fritz von Erich, he defeated the great Kabuki. So that'd have been a kind of a fun match. That would have been really cool. Yeah, that would have been, uh, yeah, the master of the uh, Iron Claw versus the master of the Green Mist. Yep. Yeah. And of course, you know, yeah. Fritz that von Erich. That would have been great. That would have been cool to see. Yes. And Fritz von Erich, he has a pretty interesting story. Well, the whole von Erichs have a freaking crazy, you know, History, you know, you can find that anywhere. I think WWE did a documentary about them. I was about um, to say, yeah, there's Dark a documentary Side of the Wing. About that. Yeah, you could guys find everything. I, I definitely recommend checking out, you know, for all of our non wrestling historians out there that listen to this show. Um, I would definitely try to check out some history on the on the Von Erichs because it is a very interesting, um, very interesting backstory to them. Um, another good one too is one of my favorite ones that actually WWE produced was the story of world-class championship wrestling. That was also a great documentary as well. Um, another good yeah, one, too, is going to be about um, one of my, my, probably my favorite wrestler in WCW, WCCW was um, Gino Hernandez, and his Dark Side of the Ring episode was really great as well. So, Yeah, that's a crazy story. Yeah. So this this, this is a promotion that was definitely pretty wild. It was really good, though. Like, WCCW, like, this is like party territory. This is also where the Dingo Warrior came from, the Ultimate Warrior. He was in this promotion mm -hmm. for a while, too. So, but the... the warrior. Yeah, the <laughs> Dingo Warrior, brother. <laughs> what the hell is a Dingo? They, we still don't know. No, a Dingo actually is a... I found this out, actually, recently. I was reading about this true crime case. But a Dingo is like a... It's like a wild... Um, Australian dog is like a hyena, okay, kinda. Um, and there's a famous case about this woman who served time in prison because she claimed a dingo ran off with her baby, and she was like convicted of murdering the baby. But this is not a true crime podcast. We won't get into that right now. But yeah, every time I hear that though, I just think of like he's awesome. like this tiny Australian dog, that the ultimate the dingo warrior. Yeah, I'd be like, okay, anyway. why did Ultimate Warrior take this take this kid away? What the hell? But, um, <laughs> so check out this main event. This main event would be pretty fun. All right. Yeah. Actually, it'd be very fun. And, yeah, very fun. Because, so the biggest attraction in WCCW was the Von Eric kids. Um, you know, obviously the biggest attraction they did was they fought the, um, you know, Michael Hayes and his group. Um, the Freebirds. The Freebirds, yes. But during this particular night, we have Kevin and Kerry Von Erich. They fought to a... I don't know how this happens either. They fought to a double disqualification against Gary Hart and King Kong Bundy in a Texas Death Steel Cage match. So yes, 
We have a disqualification and a death match that's a cage match as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you, how did, that, how did that happen? Like, how do you get disqualified in a Texas death match inside a cage? Where the only way to win, presumably, is to either escape the cage or submit or pin the opponent. Well, actually, I guess in a Texas death steel cage match, the only way to win would be to escape the cage or make sure they can't respond to a 10 count, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, this has weird rules because those two rules kind of don't go together, but yeah. maybe it was just a death, Texas death match inside a cage. Yeah. And I guess, like, you know, maybe they're going a little bit too hard on each other. They lost by disqualification. So I'll see if I can find that match and post it on the Facebook page for everybody to check on out because it seems like a pretty fun match. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll watch it together and figure out how our boys got disqualified. Probably for kicking too much ass inside this cage match. Maybe kicking too much ass. Yeah, so that was Kevin and Kerry Von Eric in yes. that match, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Kevin is the only surviving one. Yes. And his yeah, two sons wrestle now. Yeah. They're an and They're really good too. Yeah. Yeah, they're fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think Kevin is the only one who didn't. I think all the other boys committed suicide. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. They all. They. I think they all killed themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy, tragic sure. story, everybody. Yeah, it's very tragic. Speaking of uh, some tragedy, we are checked ourselves into this Ghost Keeper motel that was called Deer Lounge. Lodge. Lodge. So let's get into the Ghost Keeper. All right, everybody. We are here. We are in Canada. All right. We are in the Smoky Mountains. It's snowing everywhere. Very beautiful scenery in this movie, though. I'll give him credit. Now, this movie kind of reminded me of... It was shot kind of like how that Blood Beat movie was shot. So we don't have, like, a lot of, like... You know, a lot of high-tech camera work during this time. You know, like we see in some other big films. But the scenery does look beautiful, though. It looks great. Um... Do you want to give us a little backstory about this movie right now or towards the end? No, I can, I can go ahead and talk about it. It's probably important to talk about it now so people understand what they're getting into. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, I thought it was funny when you just said that um, there's no high-tech camera. This movie barely had lighting. Yeah. <laughs> um, like it, the, almost the entire movie was shot with natural light. Yep. I mean, it was shot with whatever light was in the room. Like if they had three oil lamps on that's what that's the light that they had for the movie um but basically um have you heard um james of the are, are familiar with the canadian tax shelter films well not really i mean yeah no i'm not too familiar with that okay so basically um in 1974 uh, the Canadian government, they wanted more movies. They wanted to bring the movie industry to Canada is what they wanted to do. So they gave, um, instead of, instead of giving a tax break of 50%, they gave a tax break of 100%. Um, if you wanted to invest in a Canadian in a movie made in Canada. So, and Canada has a really high tax rate on, on the wealthy. So all of a sudden, there were these wealthy Canadians that were wanting to give um, 
um, give money to people to make movies. And, and because of this, there was a lot of low budget horror films that would never have been made had it not been for this. So from 1974 up until 1982, 100% of the money that was invested in these movies, people were able to write off of their taxes. So a lot of really, really good movies came out of this. Um, Black Christmas was a tax shelter movie. Um, I believe The Changeling was a tax shelter movie. Prom Night was a tax shelter movie. My Bloody Valentine, which you guys are going to hear about in a month or so, yep. was a tax shelter movie. Um, Meatballs was a tax shelter movie. Um, yeah, the connect comedy with Bill Murray. Meatballs was a tax shelter movie. Porky's was a tax shelter movie. Okay. Um, interestingly, uh, Black Christmas, A Christmas Story, and Porky's were all directed by the same person. Yeah. I like that. But that's a that's a side story. We're not talking about any of those things right now. Yeah. Um, but basically, um, oh, David Cronenberg's entire career is basically based on the tax shelter. I mean, his first five movies, all of his movies up until um, up and up to, up to and including um, Scanners, were were all tax shelter movies. So, Ghost Keeper is also a tax shelter movie. Um, but <laughs> the problem is they didn't find somebody with enough money. Yeah. They've got the wrong so, tax um, guy. They found the wrong tax guy, yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I mean, I like this movie a lot. I probably like this movie better than I expect that you liked it. Um, but, um, I mean, we'll talk about it, and we'll talk about where you can tell they started running out of money. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious, you know, but, um, but, yeah, basically, so this was a tax shelter movie. So this movie was made because they were able to convince – some rich Canadian guy to give them six hundred fifty thousand dollars to make this movie, so then which like, is nothing. Yeah, even the even in nineteen eighty one, eighty two, this that was nothing. That was not that was not enough money to make any kind of movie even then. I guess he wasn't like he wasn't like trying to like give him some more when they ran out. I'm guessing, huh? Well, the problem with that was that they didn't start so. The way that worked was you had to invest the money and you had the movie had to be made within the year that you invested the money and they didn't start filming this until December. Yeah. I got you probably because the snow. So it didn't matter. It was too late. Like even if, even if they had, he, you know, wanted to give them more money, he wouldn't have been able to get a tax break on it because it was too late. Gotcha. Hey, that's what they have to do. Sometimes you want to get that scenery. So yeah, and then okay. yeah, and the movie was basically made. It was written around. It, it is a lot like Bloodbeat in that it was written around what they had. Yeah. So they were able to get the Deer Lodge, which is a real hotel, which is still there near Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and you can actually still stay in it um, if you want oh, wow. to. It's still there. Um, and um, so they were able to get the Deer Lodge. So they wrote a movie around this Deer Lodge hotel. Nice. Yeah, they pretty much got like a cast of like five people, a couple snow bikes, found this hotel, like, hey, we're ready to go. Yep. So we start off, we see a couple, and they're on their snow bikes, and they're riding all around the snowy part of Canada. And it looks great out there. Like, I mean, like, the scenery in this movie is fantastic. You know, you can never go wrong with like snow. You know what I mean? Like, there is something to that, too. Like, snow can be very creepy because you know when there's snowstorms or snow things you know a lot of you know if you're stuck out in the snow all by yourself can't get home that's scary you know if you get stuck in a place all by yourself with snow or somebody's trying to attack you in the snow so there is something to the snowy 
side of horror. That is pretty cool. And plus, it looks like a really good visual visual as well. Yeah, yeah it makes a great visual. So we have this couple, and we found out that their names are Marty and Jenny. All right? Mm-hmm. They are apparently like boyfriend and girlfriend. They are checking into this uh, ski lodge place. And this Marty guy is like this character, this fucking guy. He was kind of like, he's kind of like one of those cocky, cocky guys. Like he's very arrogant. Um, and he's very like sarcastic, I guess, in a way. So he's talking yeah, very to very unlikable. Yeah, very unlikable guy. So he's coming in here. He's like, oh, uh, there's, there's not a lot of people around here, huh? And then he talks to his grandpa. Like He calls him grandpa. Or it was old guy. Just like checking people, and I was like, "Hey man, you ever been to Florida? You know, Florida, hot weather, girls in bikini. You know what's under those bikinis, don't you?" And the old guy's like, "I've been to the desert three times." And then Jenny's like, "That old man has your number." And Mara's like, "I guess he does." And I was like, "What the hell is going on already?" Okay. <laughs> And then we see this other girl uh, ride up in the snowmobile. She's all she's uh, all pink on, and her name mm-hmm. is Cindy. And Chrissy. The, oh yeah, Chrissy. I don't know why I write Cindy. It's Chrissy. 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 Her name is Chrissy. She has showed up, and this is what she. This is why she showed up to this particular scene. She says, "The people that we came here with, I am bored with them. Okay, I want to go out there exploring. I want to go out there and party." I don't even know why I'm hanging out with these geological engineer guys. They want to do all work and no pleasure. And then, of course, Mario's like, no, all of us are like that. So we're seeing, like, this guy, this Marty guy, he is looking to get get it on this winter. Okay? Mm-hmm. And apparently, we find out that this is also, it's around New Year's time as well, too. So this is when we get a horror movie trope. The, the, they want to go, they, the three of them want to go exploring. And the old guy's like, you guys probably shouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Like, there's nobody here. Obviously, this place is getting very snowy. You should probably just stay around here. Maybe hang out at the cabin you were supposed to stay at. And, of course, they're like, no, fuck that. We're going to go to some off-beaten track off the rail. We're going to find some hotel and hopefully not get killed by a bunch of strangers. And the old guy's like, dumbasses. And they're like, oh, fuck you. We're going. That was basically yeah, the just, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like mm. every 1980s horror movie with the old guy, the old shopkeeper. This guy runs a shop too. Yep. Just like in Friday the Thirteenth, the old shopkeeper saying you're all gonna die. Yep. And then of course, <laughs> so yeah. And then of course we have one person in the group, which is Jenny. She is the one that's nervous about what they're about to do. So she says, right. "Thanks for the talk. To- Thanks for the coffee." And then the guy's like, "Be careful." Be careful out there, miss. So they all leave. Um, the grandpa starts shaking his head, so he knows what's about to happen to these dorks. All right. So then this is when we get we got a lot of scenery in this movie. So you know, a lot of times when you're filming a low budget movie, the best thing to do to fill time is to show scenery. Yep. So we're showing lots a ton of snowmobile of, riding, lots of snowmobile riding, lots of mountain pictures, lots of uh, snow everywhere. So eventually we get to a stopping point. Mara's like, hey, that sign over says uh, <laughs> private property, do not enter. Well, let's just enter that. There's let's no, do it anyway. Let's do it anyway. There's no tracks over there. No, he's been there. Let's explore. Uh, Chrissy's like, hell yeah, let's do it. 
And of course, Jenny's like, I don't think we should, guys. It looks like it's about to snow really heavy. We might get stuck and it's getting dark out here. And you remember that Grandpa said, he said there might be some crazy shit out here. Mm-hmm. And then of course, Chris is like, oh, you're just being a wuss, Jenny. Martin's like, Marty's like, yeah, you're being a wuss. So then they eventually go. They go onto the off-beaten path. And then um, while they're doing that, they're driving to the snow. Um, they actually see a, like a huge looking hotel. Um, and they're driving on it and they're pretty, um, you know, amazed by this, just randomly out here. And, um, so they stop and at first, um, Jenny's like, Hey, you know, I know we found this hotel and everything, but I think we should leave because the snow is getting higher up there. And of course, Maya's like, Oh, the snow will be fine. You know, listen, we're just going to take a quick peep and we're going to head out of there. And then for some reason, when they're talking, Cindy, she's like, I mean, Chrissy, she crashes her snowmobile. Okay, and then of course Marty goes over there, tries to help her out, and this is when we see um, Marty Cup, you know, doing a couple like lines to her, like, oh yeah, you know, like hitting on her a little bit. That are missing in the scar on the left side. Seriously, you okay, Chrissy? Am I okay? You're okay. <sighs> he starts. He starts to yeah. like, like flirt with her a little bit. He's like, he's like, come on, beautiful, are you okay? And then, I, and then he's just talking back with her, and then you can see Jenny has a little look in her eye, like this motherfucker. Yeah, because you can tell that Marty definitely wants to fuck Jenny and Chrissy. Yes. Yeah, this guy, he was like, he had a mission, okay? He's like, he wants to make this snowy Canadian trip in the menage a trois. He's ready. Yes. And he's like, fuck, we're out here. I know it's going to be snowing. I'm trying to get locked in this, this house with these two babes. He's ready to go. So we see the uh, the the lounge, the hotel. It's called mm-hmm. Deer Lounge. That's just the only sign that's out of there. It's called oh. Deer Lounge. <laughs> Deer Lodge. Like, can you not say this right? Deer, Deer Lodge. Deer Lodge. My bad. Yes. Deer Lodge. I don't keep thinking lounge. It's probably because they're in a lounge in the next scene. That's probably why. Yeah, right. There is a lounge inside the lodge, which I guess is confusing. Yes. So they have to pretty much climb through the snow to get, get in the place. I mean, if that's yeah, not there's a, a lot climb. of snow. A lot of snow. Also, the snow in this movie is real. Like, yeah. They didn't make snow for it. They couldn't afford that. But the snow is real. Like... So, like, in the scenes where they're walking around in, like, waist-deep snow, that's, like, real snow. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I like that. I like that. I'm, yeah. You know, I, I like when they bring in, like, real elements to everything. So, they're looking inside the hotel now. Uh, Marty, he starts making a bunch of jokes that, they, that he thinks he's funny. Um, so, he's like, oh, this place is ready for the weekend crowd when it's empty. Like, you know, just making those dumb jokes. God, those jokes were so lame. So yeah, dumb, dumb douchebag jokes. Yeah. So Mar- Marty, he st- he scares um, Chrissy, and they start playing around a little bit. So Chrissy acts like she's checking in. She has like a British voice, like "Hey, I'm checking in" and stuff. Um, you know, she's trying to be like, "I came here from England and stuff. I'm checking in." And then uh, Marty's looking around in the book, and he realizes that nobody's ever. You're right over there. Oh, hey, sorry, I'm singing Crazy Train. There you go. That's the way to do it. (laughs) 
So, uh, this is a crazy train, but this fucking guy, this Marty guy, well, I tell you. So he's looking through the book, the reservation book. Yeah. He's like, no, nobody's checked in here for five years. No, nobody's been there for five years. Yeah, and this little word. And then, and then like, Chrissy, she cracks some joke. And then you got, um, Jenny's like, oh yeah? Then why is it so warm in here? And Marty says, yeah, why is the heat on? Yeah, why is the heat on? And then Mario's like, it's probably because somebody's here. And then, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, then he starts to go, like, I'm going to go look around. Right, see, yeah. So, so there's heat on because they have steam heat from the boiler. But there's no electricity. So now that then he's, yeah, he's about to go look around stuff. And then, you know, Jane's like, why are you going to be going look around? Um, Chrissy says, like, I guess it's the party. Just the three of us. So now it's a party now. And then uh, Marty, he's going through, like, he's going through the restaurant part. And then uh, we have Jenny. She's looking through a bunch of doors. She gets scared by a cat. And she falls into a closet. And she sees a so- shotgun, which we'll hear about later. Mm-hmm. So Marty's looking around the kitchen. Now, so this is, this is like, like half the movie with them. Just walking around very silently, looking through stuff and touching things. Like Yeah, it's very slow. It's a very slow burn movie. Yes. Which, you know, a lot of times when you have a lower budget, you got to do stuff like that. You know, make sure you hit the uh, time quota. Uh, kind of like in a match, you know, we got to put them chin locks in there somewhere. Yeah, you got to hit the time quota. But, I mean, yeah. it's it's leading up to something, though. I mean, it's a slow movie, but it does lead up to something. Like, it does lead up to, I mean, I think the slowness of it leads to the eerie factor. Like, you feel like something, that's what's really good about, a, about horror films that are done correctly. Now... Now it's all cheap shit. All you have now is people doing jump scares mm-hmm. because that's what idiots are scared of. Well, we have but one jump really, scare. The black. We cat do have was. one jump scare. The cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cat was. Yeah. Um, the director actually insisted on that cat scene being in the movie. He wanted one jump scare, but 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 you know, like, but what's really scary is when nothing happens, and it just in the suspense just builds and builds and builds, and you know something could happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, but but it but it never but it but you know it takes forever for it to actually happen. Like that story about Hitchcock talking about suspense, and how he told the story about the two guys sitting on a train talking about baseball, and he's like, "You could," and you have a bomb underneath the table. And he's like, "If you have that, you can have these two guys talking about baseball, and all of a sudden the bomb goes off and it shocks people for one second. But if you show the bomb ahead of time, then you've got that whole." time to build that suspense of people are just like in terror the entire time waiting on it to go off yeah and that's exactly what the first like at least half of this movie is like you know any second and something bad's gonna happen but it never does and it never does and it never does and it just keeps going and going and going and it's so atmospheric and it builds up for half of this movie until something finally happens yeah but anyway yeah so walking uh, around the hotel yeah so everybody's pretty much on their own right now so Marty's on his own, looking around. Jenny's on her own, looking around. And uh, Chrissy, she's just sitting there playing the piano. So Marty ends up looking outside after he's done with the kitchen. And he's seeing that the snow's about to pick up. So he's saying, oh, got to go let the girls know that we're going to be snowed in, probably to stay the night. And then this is when we get Jenny. She's looking around some more. She she sees a, um, a half-open door with a coat hanger on it. She goes through there. She sees a window that's open. She closes it. And this is when we see a peeping eye looking ahead of her. Um, and they were saying, Jenny, Jenny, Jenny. 
<laughs> Did I say that right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's exactly like that. Yeah. So, so this is my favorite part of the movie. Because if anybody knows me, you know I like the naughty talk. Especially in yeah. 80s movies. So we have Chrissy, we have Marty, and we have Jenny. They're all by the fire. Okay? Yes. <laughs> and then... Uh, Marty, he's singing some song. This guy, like, this guy just pissing me off the whole movie. Like, just, he's singing some freaking nerdy song. Okay. We see it. Well, yeah, he's singing the song about rape. <laughs> Who knows what the fuck this guy is? Like, probably. It's okay. Like he's talking about, like, it's like, it's supposed to be like this pirate song, I think, but he's talking about, like, raping people. Like, this whole scene was really weird. It like, was really weird. Like, and the, basically, yeah, there's a like lot the, of sexual tension between, they're trying to show in the film that there's a lot of sexual tension between Marty and, uh, just Chrissy, all right, right, and then this is when we get Chrissy. She's talking. Um, so no, first Jen is like, okay, so Jen is like the worried one. She's like, hey, you know, you think anybody back in the lodge, the lodge is looking for us, like the friends that they came with? And Chrissy's like, no, they're probably all drunk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then Chrissy's like, oh, I could finally have a uh, a quiet New Year's. Yeah, and then Jen thinks like, you know. She so Jen's like, hey guys, like I think somebody else is in this hotel because when I was walking to this um in this room and I closed this door, I felt somebody was like breathing and looking at me. And then of course, like um Mario's like, nah, you know, <laughs> Mario's like, nah, it's probably just your imagination. And Chris is like, oh, I bet it was a vampire. <laughs> right. Well, he, she doesn't say it exactly like that. She yeah. says, I think there's somebody in here. Yeah. And then Marty's dumbass is like, we're in this room. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah, there's something in this room. Yeah, and idiot. then Christy just randomly says it's a vampire. Yeah. Look at stuff. And then randomly, Chris is like, okay, we're going to play a game over here. Everybody. Uh, she, she pretty much, she's kind of like, she doesn't really like pay attention too much to Jenny. She's kind of like to like mostly to like Mario's. Like I want to know you're like your deepest darkest secret that you never told anybody before. And then Mario, like, have one? And then Mario's like, oh yeah, yeah. Why don't you go first? <laughs> this is when we get. Oh okay, I'll go first. All right. So I am now the Chrissy character. This is what she said. All right. This is gonna be great. She she said, <laughs> she's like I had this uh I had this uh uh fetish my whole life. Like or like this feeling that I I wanted to I wanted to know what it feels like to be paid for having sex, you know, kind of like a hooker. Yeah. All right. So basically, one time this I never told anybody this before, but one time uh, after school, I was walking down and I see the substitute teacher we had that day, and I go up to him, and I was like, you know, you can touch me. He starts touching me and my leg and everything. And at first he was trying to get away, but then I then I grabbed his attention and I start kissing on him. And then then you know what happened? And then I, I pulled away really quick and I was like, You have to pay for this. And he would have paid if he had a hundred dollars on him, he would have paid that right away. <laughs> but then all he said he, he had was oh, oh, no, that's my favorite part. <laughs> all he said he had was forty dollars and I was like, That's fine 40. enough. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then she's like then she's like then we went into the backseat of his car and guess what we did it twice i was like oh fuck this guy got for a two for one special damn 
And then, of course, Marty, his whole time was like, I'm about to fuck this bitch, no problem. All right, I got $40 in my pocket, playboy. I'm ready to go. I got you out in my snowy hotel. I'm about to get it down. And then Jen's like, this fucking whore. And then Marty, you know, in his head, he was like, okay, how am I going to get this Jen girl on my side to do a menage a trois? And then, you know what he said? He's like, oh, fuck, we ran out of grape, which is wine. He's like, I'm going to go get us some, I'm going to get us some wine and let's see more of these dirty stories. <laughs> this guy... Like that story came out of, like nowhere. I was like, "Where it is just this came guy? out of nowhere." Like, can you yeah. just imagine like that that be, that happening like in your life? Like you're yeah. all sitting around just telling stories about your life, and all of a sudden she's like, yeah. like she's she, she's just like, you know, I always wondered like what it feel like to get you know what it would be like to get paid to to do it, you know, like a hooker. Yeah. And then she tells a story about fucking her substitute teacher at 16 <laughs> years old. Yeah. <laughs> Like, for $40. Right. And like, and like, it's like, we, like, what the fuck? Yeah. And like, we didn't even get to hear anybody else's story. It's just all her story. Like, no, that's know. the only story we need to yeah. hear. I guess. I mean, it's just like, and it has nothing to do with the plot of this movie. <laughs> nothing. It's like, okay. It's like, like, I'm not even sure why this is even in the story. Well, you know, I get it. You know, it's kind of like when you're with a group of friends paying like truth or dare or whatever. Like, you know, dark, yeah. you know, there, there is drinking games like that. You know that, that they do nowadays it's just like really funny where it's like in this particular setting because like it seemed like like i i guess there was a little was was uh, chrissy supposed to be jenny's friend or is she supposed to be like marty's friend or i guess i don't think so well i think i, I couldn't tell like I, I, when I, like i watched this movie twice oh. and i i kind of got the feeling that they didn't really know each other yeah because doesn't Jenny talk about? I mean, not Jenny. Chrissy talks about she's there with somebody else. Yeah, she's there with like and another. She left. Yeah, she's there with some like engineer guy, and yeah. she thought he was boring. So I, what I what I'm guessing is I'm I guessing Marty and the engineer guy were friends. Okay, but then it was they're probably maybe doing like some double date action or something. Even though we didn't even see the other guy, but they were supposed right. to be with a bigger group of people. So, right. but then I guess because like there was more sexual tension with Marty than the, the engineer guy, that's why she's like over here. So, mm, anyway, right. so our boy Marty, he is ready to fuck. So he's trying to go find some wine. All right, and he, he and, and you know he's playing like nonchalant about it. You know what I mean? But you know that's what his goal was. And then um, mm-hmm. we get a little bit more. We get a weird like tension, but you could tell there's a tension now between Chrissy and Jenny because like Chrissy stares at her weird. And then she starts singing. And then, yeah, yeah, by the fire, yes. And then we get uh, Marty, he's in the cellar now, finds some wine, but then somebody scares him and jumps on him. And then they all rush mm-hmm. to the cellar. And then Marty's like, oh, I think it's an old lady. And then they all look at it, and it actually is a, an old lady. It is an old lady. On the floor. And they're like, Oh, do you live here? Oh, do you work here? They're just asking like a shit ton of questions. Like, oh, do you live here? Do you work here? Hey, we just had to break in because we didn't want to stay out in the snowstorm. And then she's like, you guys got to leave here right now. He's like, no, we can't leave. Like, we're, you know, it's dark outside and it's snowing outside. He's like, who are you? Do you like live here or work here? And they're like, she's like, no, you guys asked too many questions. You got to leave over here. And then Jenny's like, listen, my name is Jenny and I came here to vote. I'm sorry. That's some. <laughs> <laughs> she's like my name is jenny and i'm not leaving because it's dark and snowy outside and then the old lady's like you're a tough little cookie aren't you and then she's like okay or if you guys can insist on staying 
I'll show you around. So she starts showing him around. And then they, they ask her a bunch. Now, Mari's over here asking her like a thousand questions. Like, do you work here? Are you alone over here? <laughs> what, what is this place to you? And then she goes like, you got a bunch of questions. All right. And they're just going back and forth. And, um, okay, let's see. They said, they basically said they had nowhere to go. And um, it's dark and it's like 40 below out there. Right. Uh, so this and then um, <laughs> and then they go like, you know, how cold it is. And then the old lady, she does one of my favorite, like, you guys don't know what cold is. Back in my day. <laughs> back She's in, like back in 55. Yeah, back in 55. There was cold there. The whiskey froze in a bottle. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not possible, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is. Then she's going on saying she lived here her whole life. Uh, Marty asks you, you know, do you work here? She she basically wouldn't answer if she works here or not. She basically just says she lives here. And then she's, right. she's like, um, she's like, she says she does a bunch of mountain talk. They asked her, do you live here alone? She says, no, I got about a couple of kids around here, but I don't know where they're at right now. Um, and then she's like, and then the Mario's like, you don't like the last or a lot of questions. It says, yeah, I don't like answering questions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she says she has two sons, but they're not very sociable. Yes. They're kind of like out there and hiding and stuff. So the old lady's showing everybody around the hotel now to show them the, some quarters. So she said she basically agreed that they could stay overnight. Until the morning time. And Jenny asks, like, oh, how come none of the doors are locked? She says, well, we don't get a lot of visitors here. And that's where Marty chimed in, yeah, five years. Um, and this is when uh, we're seeing some more tension between um, Chrissy and Marty. And with the uh, Jenny looking on. Okay, this is the point where this is the part where she's she showing him to the bedroom jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's putting him in the bedroom. Yeah, isn't it the- yeah, isn't this the point where you can tell Jenny's figured out that Marty wants to fuck Chrissy at this point? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Right, yeah, she's like, because he's like looking at Chrissy and they're having like a moment and Jenny's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to you're gonna try and fuck her. Yeah, so cause when we're back in the room, we have Jenny, she asked, uh, she asked uh, Marty, like, do you want to sleep with her? And Marty's first, mm-hmm. this fucking asshole is like, it's not like you own me or anything. I was like, what? <laughs> That didn't, that didn't answer the question. What the fuck? <laughs> it says, uh, it's, and then he's all like, you always try to say smart things to me. It's like, how come you never question me when I pay all your bills? Never question that, do you? So we can tell this guy's <laughs> kind question, of a dick. question that. Yeah. Yeah, he's just an asshole. And then like, you know, James like, oh, I apologize. Like you can tell like the relationship's like one of those like bad ones. Uh, and then she goes on saying like, He's like, you know, like he's going like, going like, hey, you know, you like spending my money. You're like doing all this stuff. You never question me. And, you know, I want to live my life the way I want to live it. You can live your life the way you don't want to live it. And then Jenny Dresden just calls him a bastard. And he says, thanks. All right. And then he's about to, um, he's like, I'm about to go down and wash up. And she's, and Jenny's like, how come you never tell me where you're really going to go? <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to go to the room and I'm going to wash up. So we're having some like moment where Jenny knows that Marty's gonna go cheat, and she actually said that too. Is like, how come you never tell me when you're gonna go cheat? And then he eventually calls her crazy, and then Jenny's like, you shouldn't say that stuff. You know, don't call me crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not like my mother. My mother was crazy. I can't be crazy. 
Then, yeah, so we have exposition here. So we find out Jenny's mom was crazy. Yes. And during this whole time, the old lady was creeping in, which mm. is going to be a big talking point that I'm going to ask you, you, Allison, and the audience later on. And I'll get to that <laughs> when we get to that part. So Marty is, he leaves it. And now Chrissy, they run together. Like they kind of meet each other in the hallway. And then he's like, oh, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to go take a bath. I thought for sure this motherfucker was going to join her. But mm, I guess uh, yeah. I guess he hasn't, uh, he didn't have a lot of wine kick in yet. All right. Yeah, missed opportunity. So we get a re- random scene of like that old lady smokes weed. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was like, okay, that's just there. Uh, so Chrissy, she's in that. She now takes a bath and we, we see some dude creeping up. At first I thought it was Marty, but it wasn't. Um, this dude comes in there and eventually drowns Cindy. And we get our first uh, creepy uh, scene of this guy, this random guy, which is one of the sons even ended up um and then he uh, got drowning Chrissy and he takes her he takes the naked body outside and then randomly yeah, this is Danny Danny okay Danny Danny takes Danny. him and then Jenny just like randomly like I don't know we know where I guess she was up or whatever she goes in the bath bathroom was like Chrissy like was he trying to catch her or something in the act or something I guess I don't know and then the old lady comes by I was like hey what are you doing creeping around she's like I couldn't sleep this noise is. This house is very noisy. It's just like, yeah, it's an old one. And then um, Jenny asks, like, you know, what's up with your son? Like, we haven't seen him at all. She's like, I like. Then she, the old day is like, I like you, Jenny. She's like, you got like, you're tough. You're tough, and you're good for the job. Mm-hmm. And then Marty runs in, and then after that, she just leaves. Like, she doesn't want to know what she means. But the old lady just leaves. And this is when Marty runs into Jenny, and they're both like, Hey, have you seen Christy around? Uh, I haven't seen her at all. She and then. Uh, Marty's like, oh, she's probably just exploring around, like always. She and then she's like, oh, she always comes back. And then Marty goes to check for Chrissy in the room, and we don't see a lot of stuff. And then he's like, so he he goes and checks his room. He's just like, oh crap, happy New Year to myself. So our boy Marty ain't gonna get none tonight. Mm-mm. So we have uh, Danny. He's taking Chrissy to uh, the second son. And the second son's like in this like locked up ice cellar. It's like, a, it's like an igloo. Like an igloo? It's and like an igloo built in the cellar. I'm not really sure what this guy was supposed to be. I mean, he looked like a guy who had like frostbite on him. And does he need like dead people to like survive or something? We didn't really get this explained. Um. Well, do you want me to tell you or or do you figure it out by the end of the movie? Oh, is there? A, wait, there's a certain part we figured out what it is, right? Okay, I think I think I got it. I think I, well, we'll talk about it when I get to that part. Okay. All right. So Jenny goes up to Marty. Said, "Did you find her?" He said, "Nope." This is where they're both in the bed together. Mm-hmm. She said she'll show up eventually, and then she then Jenny actually apologizes to Marty for some reason. Says she she's sorry. Says she complains that much, and she's going through a lot of stuff right now. It's like a phase. She doesn't want to be like her mother. She just wants to, she doesn't want to end up crazy like her mother. So we're, we're establishing that Jenny's background, she has a crazy mother and she doesn't want to end up crazy. Um, right, like her mother. And she, she was crazy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which exactly. we keep mentioning over they and keep over, mentioning over, again. over and over Yes. <laughs> and, then and then he just, she just said like, can you please, Mari, just don't call me those names anymore. Okay, gotcha. And then Mari's like, do you even want to be in this relationship? 
And at that point, I was thinking, no, I don't even want to be in this relationship. So why the fuck does anybody else want to be? Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. She's like, she's like, and then Jenny's like, oh, it's not sure. It's hard to think in this place. Okay. Did we see some axe chopping something? I didn't know what the fuck it was chopping. I guess it was chopping up Chrissy's body. That's the only thing I can guess. Mm, well, has he killed Chrissy yet? Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, he when, kill, yeah, yeah, he, he did. kills Chrissy when they go down to the igloo in the yeah, basement. Yeah, yeah, we do our one of our own. Throat. Yeah, cutthroat. Yeah, yeah gotcha. Yeah, before that part. Yeah, so I'm assuming that he. Uh, yeah, at that point, it just shows the shadow of the axe coming down. I assume that he's chopping up Chrissy's body. Yes. Yeah. And we have the uh, we have the black blood in this, kind of like how they have the black blood nowadays on Raw when Edge does yeah. his thing. We have the black blood, and maybe maybe it's like a Canadian thing. You know what I mean? Like it's not red blood; it's black blood in Canada. I think it's uh, we didn't have enough lighting for this thing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's supposed to be red, and I think it would be red if if the lighting was right. But I, yes. it's, it's not. And then throughout the movie, when there's a lot of slow parts, we always hear. So Jenny wakes up. Okay, she gets up and she wants. She starts wandering around the house, and this is when she she's kind of like on the staircase, and then below the staircase we hear the old lady, and she's like, "It's like, he's like, you're okay, you're cold. It must be cold outside. I'm making some hot soup." He said, "You did a good, you did a good thing out there." He says, "I'm not gonna be mad at you." She says, "I'm not mad at you," and then she looks up and she sees Jenny a little bit, but then Jenny goes back to bed. So I was like, okay, well, that's not creepy. And there's a lot, like, and this is the part where, Allison, you were talking about, like, a lot of these scenes inside the hotel, like, were, like, pretty much pitch black. So, like, the mm-hmm. only lighting was when they were ca- carrying around those, those uh, canisters, those little light-up canisters. Yeah. The, 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 yeah, the, the oil lamps. Yes. Yeah, they didn't, yeah, there was literally no, maybe a scene or two I could tell where they might have used some external light. But they used whatever light was available. And like yeah. some scenes would be like a character holding an oil lamp in front of their face. Yeah. So you can see their face, but the rest of the entire screen Nothing. was just pitch black. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I liked it. I mean, I, you know, some of those stuff is, you know, it's always good to have like, it, I think it's a little bit more creepier that way sometimes. I thought so. it made it look really real. Yeah, exactly. So this is when we get Marty. He's in the snow now. It's the next morning and he's trying to fix up his bike. And this is Jenny wakes up as well, too. Um, Marty knows that the the cord in his engine got cut, and then eventually Jenny she goes outside and she goes she walks down. So Marty storms into the kitchen, and he's like, "Where's Chrissy? And who messes my machine?" And he's talking to the old lady. And he's like, "I don't know anything about no machine." He said, "Where is Chrissy?" She's like, "That was like he's, she probably wandered off." He said, "Chrissy's bike is missing, and I didn't see any tracks anywhere." So where is she and who messes my machine? And then all like she's going off like I don't know anything about no machine. I don't know anything about nothing. And then Jenny, I don't know how they work. Yeah, I don't know how they work. And then Jenny's in there hearing hearing this whole thing too. Marty's like goes up to Jenny. He's like I'm gonna go to that shed to see if I can scramble it up. You babysit her. And then when he says that, then you get the old lady looking at Jenny and laughing a little bit. And then we hear Marty going through the snow. He has, pretty much has to crawl through the snow to get to the shed. And then she's like, to Jenny, the old lady's like, your boyfriend gets wild, huh? And then she, Jenny's like, that's his way. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, she's like, oh, times has changed. Most guys don't act like that unless they're married. 
It's a, and then basically Jenny goes off like, I know you know about Chrissy. You ain't telling me. And this is like, this is the scene like right here when they're like, when the old lady and Jenny are going back and forth. This one had a lot of audio issues. So this is probably like right when the the budget is uh, down to a couple uh, Canadian pennies right here. Okay. A couple of Canadian. We got a, we don't got that much uh, budget in this one. Uh, so let's see. It's like, and then Jenny's like going like, I know you don't work here. Like, what are you doing here? What's going on? I heard you talking to somebody last night. Where is Christy? And Ole says like, says you're a strong one. Your your strength. And then the Ole's just going like, you're good and you have a lot of strength. Marty goes into the shed. And then this is Randy B when um, Jenny is now going to be walking into the to like the bigger living room. And uh, before this, the old lady did offer her some tea as well. And then Jenny took the tea. She sits down, drinks the tea, stares into more scenery. So we get more scenery, get more snow. And then like they do like this like passing out effect where like she looks fine. And then we go to the scene and then they just shake the camera. Then we go back to her <laughs> and then just shake the camera again. <laughs> and then like eventually we start shaking the camera a little bit. And then the, the old lady and, and, and the son walk in and then she falls on the floor. So, yeah. well, we did mention how we're starting to run out of money at this point. Yes, I told you. Yeah, so the right. Movie, the, <laughs> I think right. The movie from, was shot chronologically. Yes, so, so like, you can tell about yeah. this point is where they started to run out of money. Yes, like right <laughs> when Marty goes into the kitchen, start bitching at the old lady. Right, the scene where the old lady's talking to Jenny about you know the 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 boyfriend being wild and stuff that is when we lost the budget that is like this is where we we came back we're like after a couple months we're like okay we're here okay so Mario's around the shed now it takes him forever just to look at anything uh, and eventually he sees like a dead animal will get like scared all right yeah this is another weird scene so like jenny she just like wakes up like nothing happened to her at all she just like wakes up and then she's like Randy just wakes up. Nothing's happened to her. She's fine. You know, even though she's we saw the basement, the, though. Yeah, I guess she got put in the basement. So she's right next to a book that says Indian Legends of Canada. Mm-hmm. And then she starts reading a little bit. This is when we find out the story about the Canadian, I mean, the Canadian, the cannibal giant. The Canadian cannibal yeah. giant, brother. <laughs> what a great wrestling name that would be. The Canadian <laughs> cannibal giant. Yeah, I can't believe that doesn't happen. That yeah. should be Braun Strowman's new uh, new gimmick, the Canadian Cannibal Giant. There's something about like how like this this uh, this cannibal giant needs power mostly from a woman. Like it needs mostly woman powers. Mm-hmm. And then she reads some newspaper articles about it. Is this where you, you know where the plot's going? Where that guy is supposed to be? Is the guy in the cellar supposed to be the Canadian uh, Cannibal Giant? Yeah, he's supposed to be a Wendigo. Oh, okay. Yeah, remember at the, the beginning. beginning of the movie, yeah. it talks about it. Kind of tells you what a Wendigo is, but like what we think of, or what I thought of, think of normally as a, of a Wendigo is like this forest creature with antlers and yes. that kind of thing. But like sometimes, I think in Canada, some Canadian um, First Nations tribes have um, a uh, a Wendigo is basically like a cannibal, and like in some stories, they're giants and the the Wendigo story is actually about famine. Um, and it's like a warning story about wasting things, I guess, kind of. So like Wendigo stories happen when there's a huge famine and they actually have like rituals they do for it. But 
Um, but basically the, the cannibal giant part of the version of the story is like this, this gaunt cannibal eats somebody and then to, because he's starving, but then he just goes larger proportionate to the thing that he ate so that he doesn't make him not hungry. He's just larger and he has to eat even more. So that's kind of like what that story comes from. Gotcha. Yeah, because at the beginning, we, which we forgot to say, in the Indian legends of North America, there is this a creature mm-hmm. called Wendigo, a ghost yeah. who lives on human flesh, brother. Yeah, there's no ghost in this movie, by the way. I'll spoil that for you guys right now. Well, you know, they're kind of, uh, kind of. Well, okay, okay, kind of. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you at I the end. You yeah, so there sort of is a ghost. Sort of is, yeah. yeah right. Now that Jenny has read this story about the the Canadian cannibal giant. I'm just going to call it the Canadian cannibal giant because that's a cooler name than just the cannibal giant. Yeah. Which yeah, is we the, trademark that. That belongs to us. Yeah, that belongs to us. Yeah, that's a shirt. In right case there. WWE decides to use that, we we that belongs to us. Don't have to. Buy that it could now. either be a wrestler or a stable. Or the the the, can, stable, the Canadian yeah. cannibals. There you go. <laughs> All right. So Jenny now goes near the ice room and she opens it up just like fucking easy. Like they didn't even lock this shit. They're just like, okay, we're just going to open it. Then she sees that that a Wendigo guy, I guess. Right to me, yeah, he just like, like he looks like some dude in frostbite. That's what he looked like to me. Yeah, just remember, we ran out of money. At this yes, point. we didn't have any more money at this point to make a Wendigo. So, yeah, so Danny shows up. He has a chainsaw. All right, that's already too much in the budget already. They're just like, listen, guys, come on now. And then we do a big chase scene of him chasing uh, Jenny all throughout the house. I'm talking about this thing took for fucking ever. I mean, they went up, down, sideways, everywhere. It wasn't that bad though. And like it was it's kinda... almost like the it's like the chase in Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. at the end where um uh, I can't think of her name um the actress that plays that final girl where she like runs from Leatherface and then she they find her and then she runs out the window and then they chase her again it's just like this forever long chase sequence with a chainsaw yeah. it's like that he just chases Danny just chases her forever in Everywhere. His house. so eventually Jenny goes to the porch. Uh, we're up. We're upstairs now. Danny goes. Yeah, she, he's to, on like a balcony. Yeah, the balcony. Yeah. He looks through the the door. He eventually sees her. He does his grin, and then Jenny like pushes him, and he does a fucking fall, um, off the balcony onto some gated spikes. So Danny has now been destroyed. He's gone. Yeah, Danny is dead. So Jenny starts freaking out a lot. Say, like, Marty, Marty, what's going on? You know, Marty, Marty. So Marty eventually meets with her. And she's like, oh, she's like freaking out. Like, this guy tried to kill me and everything. And Marty just looking on, like, what the hell's going on here? And the old lady just looking through the window, just like staring this whole time. And then, like, Jenny's like, like what, what's wrong with you? And Marty says, like, you killed that guy. I was like, well, fuck, man. She just told you this crazy guy was... Okay, this guy, this Marty guy was something else. He's like, oh, you fucking... Uh, I don't know what's going on. The next thing you know... The old lady blows up Marty's bike. So that bike is destroyed. And now Marty's like, fuck. And then he just starts like running away. And then this whole time, Jenny's like, Marty, Marty, uh, what's going on, Marty? All right. So I guess like Marty is now, he has turned into um, our boy from The Shining now. He has turned into Jack Nicholson's character. He is now uh, warped. He cannot function now because he saw a dead body. And now his his snowmobile's um, blown up, and then the 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 girl who's supposed to be Perkin is missing. So this guy is just destroyed, and then he goes yeah. off here pretty soon. 
He, yeah, he just randomly walks away. Like, I couldn't really figure out what was wrong with him. Like, at first, I thought he was, like, possessed somehow by the spirit of the 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 beast or whatever. But then I think that he's just, like, freaked out because, you know, I think he's just, you know, weak-minded. He's just, you know, yeah. he can't handle all the, the death of this one person. Yeah. I don't think he even knows Chrissy's dead, does he? I think he kind they, they don't know. I think they figured. They don't it know out. where Chrissy is, right? Chrissy just disappeared. Yeah, yeah. They never got an answer, but I'm pretty sure they just like figured it out. And yeah. he was freaked out by the dead deer in the garage. Yeah, exactly. But now he's back in the, is, in the shed, and he's putting yeah, like yeah, he's putting like oil on his face. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out. I was wondering if you understood that part of the movie. I, I don't. Mean, understand maybe there's some part. sort of like. Maybe the Wendigo is like over his mind now or something. I don't know. I just to me just just going like a little nuts. To me, he was trying to be like the Jack Nicholson character. Basically, they're just trying to show that he's like insane now. Like the snow and every all this stuff is just making him like a little crazy. And now he's just start talking to himself. It's like it's like <laughs> he's like a lawyer out of control. He said his old, and then he started talking about his old man. He said like he never saw his old man lose control or even shout at her. He just wanted to see his old man be mad for once and be unsure of himself. It says, and he's doing all this while like he's like grabbing and like stroking Jenny too, like some sort of like abusive dude. He right. said, "You killed that man. You shouldn't have done that." He said, "Like I was in school for all these years reading all these books, and I came and fixed a machine." It says. He says, like, Chrissy, she's probably back at the lodge. He says, it's okay. And then he's all like, he says, like, I could never defend a man who didn't make 75000 or more. No, he said, I could never defend a man for less than $75,000. Yeah. Like, this is just some random shit. Like, was he a lawyer? I guess he was a lawyer. Well, this, yeah, he was. I think he was a lawyer, and this is how we found that out. But yeah. this is never talked about any other time. In the yeah, movie, because so. he acted like in the beginning he was one of these like engineer guys. Because like the girl was going on like, "Hey, I'm I'm bored with all these engineers," and the guy was like, "Oh, we're not all like that." Well, if you're, yeah, are right. you an engineer or are you a fucking lawyer? Okay, you can't even figure it out. <laughs> okay, I, okay. Then he just goes on, and then Jane's like, "Listen, you crazy motherfucker." This is what she should have said, but she didn't say it like this. This is what she should have said. Hey, you crazy motherfucker, there is a gun in the shed. Let's get it and blow these crazy hillbillies up. Of course, Marty, he's just going off. He's just like, he's not even listening to her. He's like, this like, I can, you know, I could never defend this man and stuff. I found her. Okay, and then some, okay, yeah. And th- so she's trying to get him to snap out of it, but he's not. He's about just to leave the shed and go do what he does. And then we see a random guy in a red hat. I don't know who this fucking guy came from. He's just walking. He sees that sign that says private. Nope, get out. He's like, oh, I'm just going to go there. So he goes there. Okay. You mean the guy in the snowshoes in the backpack? Yeah. Yeah, that's the shopkeeper. That was the shopkeeper? Yeah, that's the one that told him not not to go any further out or they'd die. Why the fuck is he going out there then? <laughs> that was my question. Like, like I'm, sure I'm that assuming that he went to look. I'm assuming that he went to look for them, but I don't know. <laughs> Well, if he was, what an idiot. <laughs> but he's just randomly walking in this place he told them not to go. Yeah. I thought it was just some dude that was just walking by. Or I thought it may, maybe it was that, that, I thought maybe it could be that, that uh, boyfriend that, or, or that dude that Chrissy was supposed to be shacking up with. But she thought it was I don't boring. think so. I, is, if it's not the shopkeeper, then it is just some random guy that's just walking that we've never seen before. Because I thought the that's shopkeeper, I thought the, the shopkeeper shop. had a beard. That's why. But I could be wrong. I wasn't really paying attention too much to the shopkeeper's face. 
But anyway, this guy's walking down. He just it took him forever to get to this place too. And then during all this stuff, um, Marty is just walking out in the the snow. And then of course, you know, it's it's a lot of snow, so they keep like falling down. And and then you know, Jenny's like, Marty, Marty, where are you going? Where are you going? The guns in the inside. Where are you going? And then eventually, Marty just walks off into the fucking forest, like just like any just going off. And Jenny's like, well, fuck you. I'm going to get out of here. And Jenny eventually goes back to the hotel. And then we get more scenes of the um, the guy in the red hat just walking around. Um, yeah, and then we see more scenes of Mario just climbing through snow. So a whole lot of scenes of us climbing through snow. Uh, with Marty walking around. Yes, and this is a weird scene. So the old lady comes outside. She looks outside. She starts laughing a little bit. She goes back inside. <laughs> Guy with the red. <laughs> That's what the scene was. <laughs> it's in my right. notes. That's what it was. Okay, she goes outside. She's laughs and she goes back inside. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I mean that's literally what happens. Bro. And I'm like, okay, we are literally just like, okay, we have a budget time. We just got to make this as slow as possible. I get you. Okay. <laughs> the dude with the red hat. This is like this. This. This is random. This is just put in here to fill time. Okay, they didn't cut shit from this movie. They're just keeping everything in. Okay, I'm surprised they didn't keep, even keep in bloopers. They just keep everything in this fucking movie. So this guy in the head just shows up and it's like, "Hello, anybody there? Hello, anybody there?" We see the old lady with like a knife, looking like really funny looking. Like she's trying to do her best psycho, but she can't. And then eventually the guy opens the door and then the, she like stabs him in the, the funniest way manner possible. Okay, end scene. <laughs> end scene. That was it. Okay, <laughs> like I, you gotta see this scene. It's pretty funny. Like it's just like this guy had no character. He had a couple lines. He just showed up and got stabbed. We didn't even get him to see stabbed. He just got stabbed. So now we have Jenny. She's crawling in back. She's crawling through a bunch of snow. She's back inside the hotel now. Okay. Yes. So this is when the uh, old, the old lady she brings her her son back in and she's saying, "My poor boy, my poor boy." Okay. Jenny is now creeping around the place. She uh, stumbles through the house a lot. And she eventually grabs the shotgun. It takes her at least five minutes to load up this thing. Okay. And then <laughs> this is when she meets the old lady outside. The old lady says, oh, there's my little girl. There you are. And she says, and then she's like, you know, Jenny points the gun at her, now the shotgun. And the old lady's like, oh, that thing hasn't worked for years. <laughs> and she's all like... Then the old lady's like, listen, you don't want to be crazy. Only crazy people have shotguns. And this is all, she's saying this all while she has like a knife behind her back. Right. She's saying, you don't want to kill me. And then in the most shocking scene since Empire Strike Back. The most shocking reveal. The most shocking reveal of all. The old lady's like, Jenny, I am your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then Jenny's like, no. Just well, like, she, just like, doesn't she say she? I'm the ghost of your mother, or something like that. Something like that. I just heard mother. I am your mother. Yeah, I don't and, think she literally says she's. She, I'm your mother. I think she then, says I'm the ghost of your mother. And then Jane is all like, "No, my just like Luke Skywalker. No, my mother's died." And like Jane's like, "No, you don't want to be crazy. You don't want to be crazy. You won't be crazy. Just come to mommy. To come to mommy." And then not. So Jenny had to be. A, I mean, uh, the old lady had to be at least like four feet away. And then she's like come to mommy and she's like not even close to her at all with a knife and then jen shoots her in the stomach and then after that yes yeah so the yeah 
So now there's a funny story about that too. I'll tell at the end of this. Yes. So what I was going to say too, is I'm guessing that the old lady wasn't really Jenny's mom. No, you don't. You think because, well, because remember that scene where Jenny was explaining to Marty in the bedroom, like, I don't want to be crazy. Like my mom, remember the old lady was hearing that the whole time. So maybe the old lady thought she can use that to her advantage, but then they do another swerve, which we're about to get into. Okay. There's lots of twists and turns in this. I mean, it, it huh. it's not boring at all. I mean, it it keeps giving you these twists and turns through the whole movie. Yes. Well, through the last half of it. Yeah, that's true. Yes. So after Jenny shoots down the old lady, she goes into the ice cave. All right. She sees the, um, the dude, the uh, Wendigogo. <laughs> Did I say it right, Wendigogo? Wendigo. Wendigo, yeah. What the hell is Wendigogo? I don't know what the fuck that is. Like, like why Why is there, why did they put him in an ice cave? Why did they make a cave of ice to put him in? I don't know. But then Jen's like, like hey, the- I'm going to be taking care of you now. I was like, okay, that's came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, she, yeah, so Jenny says, I'm going to be taking care of you now. Yes. Then she walks out into the freezing snow. Uh, Marty is out there. He have took, he's took off his jacket and now he's in a red shirt. And he's basically... Frozen to death with his, with laying on a tree. Yeah, I think he's still alive, but yeah, he's like yeah. just leaning up against the tree. And then uh, Jenny's going on like, Marty, you should listen to me. Why'd you come out here on your own? I will come back for you later. Okay. So we have Jenny. She goes back inside. Okay. Uh, she is now walking throughout the whole house. Uh, then we hear like a voice and a talking to her head. It's like, it's all right, Jenny. She's like, okay, it's good that you came, looks around at night. So he says, like, you see, Jenny, it'll be, a, it'll be like it was always supposed to be. So this is supposed to happen, and you were supposed to take over, and you were supposed to now take care of this uh, hotel. You're supposed to take care of this Wendigo creature who eats flesh. And she hears all this by staring into the fire. And then the ghost keeper, I guess there kind of was a ghost. I guess the ghost that inhabited this old lady jumped to Jenny now and now has yeah. taken over the body of Jenny. And that's why Jenny is now the keeper of the ghost well, house. Yeah. I mean, I think the ghost is actually supposed to be the thing in the basement from the title, but like, I kind of took it as like the ghost. It's like the ghost of Jenny's mom. Like the, 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 like Jenny was always afraid she would go crazy. Mm. Because her mom went crazy, and then she kind of goes crazy at the end of this. But yeah, so like the way I took that was that. So I mean, obviously through the whole movie, you know, the old lady's been saying, you know, you're a tough one, like you can do the job, and like she's trying, she's going to convince Jenny to take over caring for the Wendigo. Yes, and they don't tell you this, but I mean, I'm assuming that the Wendigo was her other son. Yeah, because remember she says I have two sons, and yeah. she says, but they're not very sociable. And we meet Danny, who I don't. I'm, I'm sure I don't think the guy who played Danny had even a single line in this entire movie. No, um, I didn't hear her say nothing. But um, but we meet Danny, and then I'm assuming that the Wendigo in the basement and the ice igloo in the basement was um her other son who became a Wendigo because he ate human flesh. That's what I'm assuming, but that's us writing a backstory that they didn't give us. Yes. Which Cra- we often do. Crazy stuff show. can happen out here in the Canadian mountains. Yeah. But the thing about this movie, though, is so with the, with the budgetary restraints that they had, meaning they didn't have any money, so they shot 
about about half of it and then the director was notified that they didn't have any more money and they were given the option to stop shooting and his react the quote i've got from him was um where he said they told us that the money is almost all gone we had a choice of stopping the movie and pulling the plug and i said no way we've gotten over half of it shot so every day i made up the scene as we're going along which is not the way to make a movie so basically they had a different script like the original ending of the movie had the Wendigo and Jenny on the roof of the lodge and he was chasing her around the the roof. So it had a completely different ending, but they had to write this ending that they could afford to do, oh, okay. which was Jenny taking over, I guess, from the, the old lady to, to watch over the Wendigo. That makes sense. I mean, I didn't mind the so, ending. I mean, I mean it's, yeah. if you think about it, how it could be the, the whatever is possessing the old lady, um, you know, her ways, if they took it over the Jenny's body, that makes sense. And now she is the new gatekeeper to this Wendigo creature. But it's weird, though, because, like, okay, if this creature has to survive off human flesh and we haven't had any visitors for five years, how is he surviving without eating flesh? That's my question. That that, that was my question altogether. Like, I'm assuming that they were in this hotel so that they could find bodies to feed to the Wendigo. Yeah. But then they've been closed down for five years. And she doesn't want anybody around. You would think that she would want all three of them there so they could kill all three of them to feed to the Wendigo. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they didn't think about it too hard. Maybe they didn't think about it too hard. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) you know, you can definitely tell that, you know, they ran out of money and they they were kind of making the script up as they went along by the end. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, For sure. (laughs) But, But I I mean, what did you think of it? What did you think of it in general? Um, Okay. So, you know me, I, I don't mind like the lower budget style films because I used to do some. And I like mm-hmm. the way how they use a lot of like natural um, settings, you know, not a lot of fake stuff like fake snow or anything. It's all natural. I actually thought the, the actress who played Jenny, I thought she had really good facial reactions to a lot of things. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I just thought her facial reactions were pretty, pretty great. Um, you know, the story, you could tell like, you know, it if you don't like pay attention to it, it's kind of hard to follow. And like, you know what I mean? Or if you didn't really know a backstory of what the hell a Wendigo was, it'd be kind of hard to follow as well. Um, well, it does kind of tell you at the beginning and then yeah. she reads the little thing in the book. Yeah. So, I mean, like it, it was, it was fine. Like, I mean, like it wasn't like a scary movie at all or like a disturbing movie. It was just kind of like a nice little, like Canadian snowy, semi funny movie. I guess. I mean, it was it was fine. Like it was some parts were slow pace. Some parts it had a really good scenery. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, but, I mean, I think it was intentionally slow paced. Yeah, I don't think that had to do with the budget. I think it was it was intentionally slow. paced. Yeah, but it wasn't like it was a bad movie. Like I didn't have like a lot of like you know criticism about it. Like you know, would it be on my natural playlist? Probably not. But it's not like a movie that I regret watching. Like it was pretty good. Like it it had some good elements to it. Like I had some good parts to it that I did like. So. You know, this one it was a, probably a little bit better state than our Motel Hell one was, I would say. I was about to say, I think it's better than Motel Hell, which had its full budget. I think it's better than that movie. So, um, Allison, out of your Yelp review, what do you give the uh, the Ghost Keep Lodge? Ghost Keep End Lodge. You mean out of uh, like a score of one to five? Yeah, one to five, um, yeah. I would give it a three. I think it's pretty good. So, yeah, I'd probably go with the three as well. 
Yeah. Three. We we've been agreeing so far on our stays at these hotels. You know what I mean? Now this one's of course a little chilly, a little cold out there. So pretty crazy. But everybody that has been Retro Blood, Ghost Keeper, we are continuing our month long reviews of staying at different horror hotels. Hasn't staying them by we're talking about them. And we are about to be driving next week the Trans Am all the way to the Bates Motel because yes, we are doing Psycho Two. Psycho Two. Of course, we can't do Psycho One because that was in the '80s. But we'll be talking about Psycho One as well. Probably one of the greatest Great. horror movies of all time, for sure. And we'll be talking about Psycho Two and a grown-up version of Norman Bates. So that should be very fun coming here next week. On the Retro Blood, before we get out of here, Allison, is there anything you want to say about our stay in Canada at this snowy hotel? Um, the only thing I have to say is watching this movie actually made me cold. It just it just yes. seemed cold. Yes. Um, very, very cold. Very cold. Like, very cold and uh, not going to get lucky this New Year's, that's for sure. No, that's for sure. But everybody, what song should we lead them out? Because we talked about two bands today. What's what song do you feel we should lead everybody out with? I think we should lead everybody out with Iron Maid's Number of the Beast. Number of the Beast, everybody. Let's rock it here on the Retro Blood outro. Let's get it going. And we'll see you here next week for Psycho 2. This is J.A. Allison, James Klein, saying sayonara. And when you're driving out there in a snowmobile build and you see something that says private, do not enter. Make sure to enter that shit, at least if you have two girls with you, so you can maybe get lucky in a hotel. Exactly. Exactly. All right, everybody, this is Iron Maiden, Number of the Beast. Have a good one. See ya. Its number is 666. I left alone. My mind was blank. Just what I saw